0: Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God, for our meditation this morning is our second lesson, Ephesians 2, verses 13 through 22, as printed in your bulletins and already read. Dear fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, it's what you might call a nightmare scenario because you might very well have had a dream like it, and it would not have been pleasant. It's been the premise for more than a few thrillers, both books and movies. It's a simple concept with complex consequences. You wake up one morning in a strange place that you have no memory of. You don't know how you got there, and nothing is familiar. You want nothing more than to get home, but you have no resources, and everyone you meet is a stranger. And each one is as suspicious of you as you are of him or her. Just imagining yourself in that situation has probably raised your blood pressure already. Now, try to imagine how you would feel if that scenario... Were completely reversed. After living a tense and fearful life in which everyone around you is a stranger and hostility is the rule of the day, suddenly one morning you wake up to find that all of those strangers are your friends and family. Everyone is familiar. The fear is gone and peace reigns over all of your life. It would be something like an amnesiac suddenly remembering everyone in his family. That would be pretty wonderful and exciting, wouldn't it? In this portion of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is pulling out all the stops in trying to get his readers, us, to appreciate that the second of those scenarios is our experience as sinners redeemed by Christ. The truth resounds and redounds through these verses, driving home the good news that we are strangers no longer, but are now at peace with God and and united with all the very different people who make up His kingdom, even people that we would otherwise meet with nothing but hostility and have the same returned to us. Now, the language here in this section is actually pretty straightforward. But Paul uses all sorts of different imagery in order to communicate the truth in as many ways as possible. Let's look first at what he says about what we were, what our situation was B.C., before Christ. Now, in the verses just before our text, Paul is addressing the Ephesians as Gentiles and pointing out how previously they and the people of God, the Jews who had God's word in the Old Testament, they were completely separate. Not just from Israel, but from the grace of God. They were excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. So there was a great and insurmountable distance between these Gentiles and salvation, or a place in heaven. They were, as Paul says in verses 13 and 17, far away. And that was our situation too. No matter what our ethnic background, as long as we were without faith and without the gospel, We are so far away that there would never be any way for us to get near to God or a place with His people through our own merit or efforts. Now the next image that Paul uses continues the idea of separation, speaking of the wall of hostility that divided unbelieving Gentiles from believing Jews, and which still divides the faithless from the faithful. Now this picture shows not only that those who do not know God's mercy are completely set apart and unable even to connect, but it shows also that that neither the distance nor the distinction is friendly or even neutral. There is an enmity between those who follow the Lord and those who do not. Because the minds of those without the Holy Spirit, those without faith and therefore still in their sins, well, those people are hostile to God. Their guilt allows them no peace. And the last terms that Paul here uses to describe what we used to be are foreigners and strangers. So what we, too, once were was clearly people who did not belong. Did not belong in God's presence and did not belong among his household. We were those on the outside looking in, suspected and suspicious, without friends, without resources, and without a home to speak of. So what changed? so that Paul and we can say all of this in the past tense as what we were, that we are strangers no longer. What happened was that the Son of God came to us as a friend, and even more than that, as a brother. He was so determined to change our status and bring us near that He became one of us. He took on flesh, was born of a human mother, lived among us, eating, drinking, breathing, laughing, crying, hurting, speaking. And when the time had fully come, He willingly suffered, bled, and died for us. The blood of Christ brought us near to God by washing our sins and guilt away completely, forever. The things that separated us from our Lord and Creator and offended His holiness were removed for good on the cross Our disobediences, our adulteries, our insults, our violence, our hateful thoughts and words, our laziness, our rage, our our service to false gods and our pursuit of false goods. All of it, all that unholy filth that filled our lives and condemned us to hell, all of it was forgiven. Because Jesus sacrificed Himself on the altar of the cross. His blood was poured out to cleanse us. And so we, who were once far away, have now been brought near. So now we have peace with God in place of hostility, which means that we also now are at peace with the people of God. The things that separated faithful Jews and faithless Gentiles were set aside when Christ completed his work. All of those special commands and regulations that kept Israel distinct from the other nations were no longer needed once the Savior of the nations had come from Abraham's people and fulfilled his mission of delivering the world. So instead of Christ's church consisting of insiders and outsiders, It now has only one kind of member. Believers. The hostility that previously existed, Jesus put to death on the cross. He reconciled all who would trust in and follow Him when He reconciled the world to His Father. So now we have peace. Peace with God first and foremost but peace also with all other Christians, no matter their ethnicity, nationality, class, income, opinions, age, education, or whatever. If you have traveled by air in recent years, you have seen how there are now two entrances to airport security. One for the unwashed masses, and one for those who have pre check who are allowed to pass through much more quickly and and with a lot less hassle. You are probably also aware that many clubs and concerts and other venues give VIP access to a, a small group of privileged people while everyone else must line up and wait their turn. Paul reminds us here that there are no longer any such distinctions or divisions when it comes to approaching God. All Christians, no matter their background, no matter their blood, no matter anything, have faith in the same Savior Jesus, which was given by the same Holy Spirit, entitling us to the same incredible access, to the same Father in the same heaven. So we are no longer foreigners and strangers but are now fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. The Apostle doesn't want us thinking anymore about the old, useless distinctions between Jew and Gentile. Instead, he wants us to identify as saints of God, as those who have been made holy by the work of Christ. This means that we are not on the outside looking in, but are actual citizens of His heavenly kingdom and privileged members of God's family. Jesus, the Son of God, is our brother. And His Father is our Father. And now Paul alters his imagery one last time. From the household to the house. To illustrate that our place with the Lord and our unity with His people is solid, unshakable, and, and, and glorious. You have been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus Himself as the cornerstone. The reference to the apostles and prophets is not so much to the men as it is to their teaching. Paul is emphasizing that the Christian faith is founded on the Holy Scriptures, which were written by apostles and prophets through inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This gives us a good reminder that any church that decides it no longer wants the Bible as its guiding authority is rejecting not just the ideas of men, but the very Word of God that gives them their place in the communion of saints. Not a good idea. But everything is good when we continue to follow the teachings of God's messengers because the building that we are being joined together into has Christ as its cornerstone, as the most important stone of all that that gives strength and definition and shape and identity to the entire structure. And in Him, we are not only connected to each other, but we grow as individual believers, as congregations, and as the whole holy Christian church. We grow into a holy temple in the Lord. Something infinitely greater and more glorious than the temple that Solomon built for Israel. And just so we are clear that this is our new reality, and not just a spiritual metaphor. Paul adds, In Him, you too are being built into a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the temple in Jerusalem was the place where God dwelt, where He had His presence. But in the New Testament, God dwells in the church, in believers, which means you and me. And that is awesome. And all of this, what we no longer are and what we now have become by the blood of Christ, all of this is something to to keep in mind and, and regularly rejoice in. It strengthens our faith to meditate on these truths and to to revel in the connections we have to each other as well as our reconciliation to God. But there are lots of people, and Satan too, because he certainly encourages this, who would prefer that we forget how God has brought us near so that we would instead focus on what separates and estranges. This, this is a particular problem right now in our nation. It has become quite intense. Whether it's the pandemic or, or politics, we are constantly encouraged to see those who disagree with us as strangers and to treat them with hostility. They are others and unworthy of our kindness, our patience, or our understanding, let alone our love. It seems like 90% or more of the news that we see these days can be summarized as, look what those evil idiots have done this time, and look what the good people on our side have done, and how they have put their, our enemies in their place. Sure, there are important issues out there, There is much at stake, and we always want to oppose what is wrong with what is right. But when it is just our emotions that are engaged and influenced and tried to turn against others, well, perhaps that isn't exactly love for our neighbor that we are feeling. This thing also happens on a smaller scale, with people that we live and work and deal with, even those that we love. Instead of emphasizing and encouraging connection, some sow seeds of discontent, or say things or set things up to make the other out to be a fool, or create differences where there were none before just to make themselves feel more superior or whatever. Maybe you are a victim of this. Maybe you're a perpetrator and need to repent. But when we remember that our citizenship is first and foremost in heaven, then we remember that the distinctions and the differences that ill-intentioned people try to exploit are not what we want to focus on or fill our hearts and minds with. We want our thoughts to be where, peace and, where our peace and joy are, with Christ and with the blessed fellowship that we have with our fellow believers. So while we can and will still engage with the issues of our day as good Christian citizens and people who love their neighbors, we will try to involve what only involves and exploits our emotions in our baser instincts, and seeks to separate us from other people, the people that we are here to love. We will try to live as those whom, in whom God Himself lives. We, we have enough hostility to deal with from sin and Satan, even from our own sinful natures. There really is no good reason to add any more hostility unnecessarily. So let your heart and mind be filled instead then with thoughts of the great blessing that Paul has laid out in these verses. What Christ accomplished for and among people with the pouring out of His blood. We have been brought near. We are fellow citizens with the saints' and members of God's household. He has put hostility to death and brought peace. Let it blow your mind. Let it fill your heart. We are strangers no longer. Alleluia. Amen. Please rise. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, We'll guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.